Good morning. Welcome to Church in the Park. Thank you for joining us today. At this time, the children can be dismissed up to third grade uh, over to the, the, the pavilion over there. Uh, other note for parents, if you could go and pick your children up after the service, that would be great. Um, at uh, We're looking at Mark chapter 9 today. If you have your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, just follow along. And if you don't have a Bible at home, there's some Bibles. Uh, there's a free resource table uh, r- directly behind me. There's some Bibles, devotionals, other materials. Uh, feel free to check that out. Also, if you want to sign up for the Bible study, uh, feel free to sign up right over there so we make sure you have a workbook. Today, I'd like to look with you for just a few minutes at Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 14. Mark chapter 9 says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. When they brought the the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him, and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. According to the dictionary, a dead end is defined as the end of a road or a passage from which no exit is possible. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you felt like you were in in kind of a metaphorical dead end? Well, we celebrated uh, four years of being a church this past Friday, September 15th. But the truth is, the church almost didn't happen. It almost didn't get off the ground. It was 2013, uh, the spring or winter of that year, and I had been praying about two things. The first thing I was praying about was planting a church. And so I began to take steps in that direction, and God laid North Tonawanda on my heart as the place to plant a church. And I started to kind of gather people around me to try to start a launch team. But I faced a lot of dead ends, and I faced a lot of people who I thought maybe would help who ended up not helping, or maybe it took them a a while to come aboard. Tried to find a building and kind of hit some dead ends with that. Looked at renting a place, but it wasn't cost feasible. Uh, Looked at some buildings, and none of the buildings really worked. We looked at the place on Thompson Street where we are now, and uh, it looked nice, but it was priced very expensively. So we know, thought, you know, there's no way a new church could support this. 
And then slowly things started to come together. Slowly people started to join the launch team. So we had this small group of people to join together to start the church. And after some time, actually, the people who were selling the church came down drastically on the price of the church. So we were able to make a deal. So we were able to make a deal to purchase the church, but then we faced even more dead ends after that. Faced some issues with the property inspection, and then we faced one situation that seemed insurmountable. Seemed like maybe it was the end of our quest. We were supposed to close on June 15th of 2013, and that date went, came and went. And we found out in July that there was a major title issue with the church building uh, from the seller's end. And the lawyer told us it would basically be miraculous if you're able to come and in, get into the church anytime soon. Now, we have plans for August. We're planning on launching September 15th, and this is July. And he says... Uh, I don't know. This could take months. There's all these legal things that happen to happen. It'd be a miracle if you get in. So I'm praying about that, and I feel like I'm in a dead end, and I start to wonder, should I just give up? Maybe this isn't in God's plan for me. Other thing I'm praying about, I was praying that God would give me a spouse. That wasn't really working either. There wasn't much going on on the dating front. And so I was praying that God would provide me with a spouse, but that seemed like it was a dead end, too. So I'm facing two different dead ends, and I wonder if you've ever experienced that in your life. Experienced situations that you don't know how you're going to get out of. You don't know the next direction. I wonder if that's what this father felt in this story. This father, he has a son who has this severe affliction. He's afflicted by a demon since childhood. It makes him mute. It frequently causes him to foam at the mouth, to convulse violently. And I wonder how many times he tried to help his young child. I wonder how many doctors he brought his child to. I wonder how many religious leaders he brought his child to in hopes that somebody would be able to help his child. But every time he just met a dead end after a dead end. Then he comes to Jesus' disciples. And he'd heard stories about people being healed and people who had demons in them that were cast out. And he comes to Jesus' disciples and say, Can you help me? And his disciples go and they say, be cast out of him. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. His disciples are unable to cast out the demon. And so this father, he's in despair. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to turn. And finally, Jesus returns from the place where he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And this father comes up to Jesus in desperation. And he says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He doesn't even have the strength to hope that Jesus can actually do it. Because all he had met in his life were dead ends. Maybe you're here, you felt like, feel like you've, your life has been a series of dead ends. You know that there's something wrong. You know there's something missing in your life, almost like there's a hole in your heart. Maybe you try to fill it with a career. Maybe the, you've met dead ends in your career. Maybe you've tried to fill it with relationships, but you've met continual dead ends. Maybe you've tried to fill it with your own morality that by being a decent and moral person that would give your life significance. But the truth is we all fall short of our standards and other people's standards and we find ourselves in a dead end. Many of us have been there in situations in our lives where we don't know the next step that we should take. We don't know how to get out of the situation that we're in and we keep doing the same things over and over again and nothing changes. 
Maybe some of us are like this father in the sense that we've been let down by Jesus' followers. This father was let down by Jesus' followers. Maybe the community that you hope to find in the church turned into gossip of meddling or judgmentalism. Maybe every time you walked into the door of the church, you felt like you were being judged. That Jesus' followers were not who you thought they should be. That's where this father is when he says, if you can help me, have compassion on me. If you can do anything. And Jesus responds and he says, if you can, he says, all things are possible for him who believes. In other words, are you really questioning whether God can do this miracle? Are you really questioning if God can save your son? He says, for the one who believes, everything is possible. Now, he doesn't say that everything will happen for those who are believers. It doesn't mean that we can have faith and wave a magic wand and do whatever we want. But he says, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing can stop God. And it says in the text, immediately the father cried out. And in some manuscripts, it says that the father cried out with tears. And he says, I believe, help my unbelief. I think this is one of the most beautiful statements in all of Scripture because of its honesty and authenticity. He says, I want to believe. I really want to believe. I want to trust you. I want to believe that you can do what you say that you can do. But I've been let down so many times that I'm having trouble. That I have my doubts. And so I'm committing that I believe. I want to believe. But I need your help. I need you to give me the strength that I need to believe. And that's a request that Jesus answers. See, even weak faith in a strong God can change everything. Even weak faith in a strong God can change everything. See, we see in this passage, it's not just the depth of our faith that makes a difference. It's the object of our faith. That with a strong God and a little bit of faith, amazing things can happen. In Matthew's account of this passage, he says, uh, he records Jesus saying, Truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I mean, it's a good thing to have great faith, and that's something that we should strive for. But even when our faith is weak, even when we're struggling, even when we have doubts, Jesus meets us at our point of need. Because He's the one who has all strength and all power. He's the one who can do in our lives what we could never do on our own. And when we trust in Him, with just a little bit of faith, all the faith that we have, He can do amazing things through us. So Jesus answers this man's prayer, but notice what happens. Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit and commands the spirit to come out. And it says in the text, the demon cried out and the boy convulsed terribly. It says in the text that the boy was like a corpse so that people said, he's dead. So it seemed like things were getting worse before they got better. Sometimes in our lives as we're following Jesus and when we make a commitment to put our faith in Christ or maybe when we step out in faith, sometimes things will get worse before they get better. Sometimes that's, the, that's just the reality of the world that we live in. See, when we take a step of faith, Satan hates it. Satan and his minions will do everything that he can to destroy our faith, to make us give up. But Jesus will sustain us. Sometimes we follow Jesus and our prayers are not answered, at least not in the ways that we hope. Maybe we pray and the healing doesn't come. We pray and the job doesn't change. We ch- pray and the relationship falls apart. But faith doesn't just look at what is. It looks at what God is going to do. You look at 
book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and the, what some theologians have called the Hall of Faith, talks about these, all these Old Testament uh, heroes of the faith who did all these amazing things. But it says in the text that they didn't even receive what they were looking for. God did some amazing things to them on this earth, but ultimately what they were looking for was a heavenly reward. And so faith looks forward to what God is going to do. Even when our prayers are not answered in the way that we think that they're going to be answered, it looks forward and trusts that God has a better plan, that God is going to make all things right. So that's the story we see. This man has met a dead end in his life. He's tried everything to help his young child. Nothing has been successful. Nothing has worked. And yet we see that through his weak faith in a strong God, his weak faith in Jesus, Jesus is able to do something amazing through him and leads him in a way out of his dead end. But I think there's another story that parallels this story pretty well, and it's the story of the gospel, the story of the good news. Ephesians 2 verse 12 says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where Paul says, he says that you were having no hope and without God in the world. That sounds a lot like a dead end. But God saw our dead end, and so he sent Jesus to the earth. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And three days later, he made a way out of our dead end, rising from the grave, defeating sin and death once and for all, so that we could have a way to the Father. So maybe you are here and you feel like you're in that dead end today. Maybe you feel like there's something missing in your life. You've been missing out on meaning and significance in your life. And the truth is, Jesus is the way out of that dead end. He's the way out. He says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Some of us, maybe we're here and we feel like we don't have the resources that we need to come to Christ. Maybe we feel like, I need to straighten myself up before I come to Christ. Yeah, I know that I should start coming to church, and I know that I should give up this habit or that habit, and maybe I should do those things, and then after I do those things, then I can come to Christ. The truth is, you can't do those things on your own. But Christ can do them through you. He's not asking you to clean up your whole life before you come to Him. We come to Him with the weak faith that we have, and He'll do the changing of our hearts. Maybe you feel like you still have questions. You still have doubts. You wonder if Jesus really can forgive you. You say, I've done a lot of things wrong. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Still have doubts. This passage tells us it's not the strength of our faith. We can still have doubts, but when we come to Him with a little bit of faith that we have, He can change us. He can forgive us. He can lead us in a way out of our dead end. Even weak faith in a strong God changes everything. Others of us, maybe we're here, we're believers, known Jesus for quite some time, but maybe we feel like we've been a little bit spiritually ineffective in our lives. And maybe we're not really sure why that is. That's probably what Jesus' disciples were feeling. Jesus' disciples had been following Jesus. They had done ministry. They had done miracles even. Jesus had commissioned them to do some amazing things. And here they are with this child that's brought before him, before them. child is perhaps convulsing, foaming at the mouth. And this desperate father says, Can you help me? Heal my son. And they say, Be cast out. Nothing happens. 
the scribes and Pharisees are there and they're like, are you guys for real? Are you guys really prophets? Are you guys really people who are of God? Because if you were of God, I think he would answer your prayer and do what you say that you're trying to do. So when Jesus comes back and the crowds disperse, they come to him privately and they say, why couldn't we do the miracle? Why couldn't we cast the demon out? And he said that this kind cannot be cast out except by prayer. Now, it's interesting that he would say that because prayer is not a big theme in the book of Mark. We don't see a lot about prayer in the book of Mark. And it seems almost out of place that prayer would be brought up here. But why does Jesus do that? A prayer simply is talking to God. It's a communication with God in its simplest form. But prayer is also an indication of our dependence upon God. It's an indication of our dependence upon God. That is, when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time talking to God and spend time in in His Word, it's signaling that we realize that we need His presence in our life. It's a, a symbol of dependence upon God. And so, Jesus said, this can only be cast out by prayer. In other words, this kind can only be cast out by depending upon me. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it on your own. If you're just going to try to do your own ministry by yourself, you're going to fail. This kind can only be cast out by prayer, by being dependent upon me, having faith in me. So maybe if we're wondering why we've been spiritually ineffective, maybe it's because we don't really have the faith that we think that we do. And maybe that is diagnosed by our lack of prayer. Because if we pray only a little bit, it shows that we only have a little bit of faith. That we only have a little bit of dependence on God. And somewhere along the way, we've bought into a lie that we can do life on our own. That we don't need God. But with just a little bit of faith. A little bit of trust in God. He can do amazing things through us. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. We put our faith in Jesus. He can take our dead ends. He can change everything in our lives. He can make us new. And he could take us to places that we could never go on our own. There's a young girl named Hannah Peterson. And uh, last year, 2016, uh, in July, she was... Finishing up her wedding preparations, she was supposed to be married on August 25th. But on July 18th of 2016, tragedy struck, and she was in a severe car accident. Uh, She broke her pelvis in three places, punctured a kidney, she broke some ribs, uh, suffered a concussion, had partial hearing loss. And so she was confined to a wheelchair. She couldn't walk, uh, not even with uh, with a cane. Something of a dead end for her when she wanted to go to her wedding and walk down the aisle. So she was determined that she was going to have the wedding go on despite her infirmity. And so what she did was her father wheeled her down the aisle, at least part of the way. And then after that, something pretty incredible happened. So check out this video. And if you can't see it, uh, there. well, I'll explain to you after. In case you couldn't see that very well, Hannah was wheeled down her aisle, down the aisle. The groom came, picked her up, and carried her the rest of the way down the aisle. There's a part in there you couldn't you couldn't see it in the video, 
but Hannah was determined that she was going to say her vows. But she was unable to stand. And so what her, her husband did was he held her up. He held her up as she said the vows. She said, Stuart has never left my side during all of this. He was, a strong, he was strong for both of us. He always made me see how blessed I was. I think that's a perfect picture of what Jesus does for us. We walk down the aisle crippled, broken, and He comes and He lifts us up, He raises us up, and He takes us to places that we could never go on our own. That's what Jesus can do through us when we trust in Him. Remember the story I told you at the beginning how I found myself in a couple of dead ends. There's a major title issue. Sale of the church can't go through. I have no prospects for a spouse. Praying for both of those things. And after I had heard that from the lawyer, I can't tell you that I had a ton of faith. I, I really can't tell you that. I wondered maybe if I should just pack it up, uh, just get a, another job. Maybe I should just forget about it. Maybe it wasn't in God's plan. I can't tell you I had a lot of faith. But I prayed about it. And within a few days, I received word that a title company had agreed to insure the title so that we would be able to close on the, on the property. To the shock of the lawyer, we were able to close and we were able to get into the building in August and we were able to launch on September 15th like we were originally. It was basically miraculous. But then there was the other thing I was praying for, a spouse. As God would have it, I ended up meeting the woman that would become my spouse on the very day that we closed on the property. The very day. I have a picture uh, on my computer. That's me, the lawyer, and my wife now. And that was the first time that we ever met at the closing. Even with a weak amount of faith, a strong God can do a lot of things through us. And here we are four years later. And we've had the privilege to do so many things. God has done so many things through this ministry. He chooses to use people who are weak, who don't have it all together. And He uses them for His glory. Let's pray. God, we thank You for this beautiful day. We thank You for this opportunity to just come together to look at Your Word. God, I pray for anyone who has never accepted You. God, I pray that uh, you would just stir in their hearts that you would move them to put their faith and their trust in you. Uh, God, for those of us who have accepted you, uh, maybe we're struggling in our faith and maybe that's manifested itself in a lack of prayer. God, I just pray that we would cry out to you, I believe, help my unbelief. That we would give all of ourselves to you. And we know that when we do that, even when our faith is weak, even when we're struggling, you give us the strength that we need. You strengthen us, you change us, and you make us new. God, we're trusting for you to do that today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.